Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to Outer Spaces Podcast. This is Joshua Gillow uh, and Dwayne Drawn here with you today. Hey, Dwayne, you want to say hi? Yeah, hey, I, I was going to say my side, but you said it for me, but I'm Dwayne <laughs> Drawn and welcome. <laughs> yeah, mix it up in the beginning, right? So, hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a big, big subject, a subject that most people don't know how to approach. And if they do, they're not very comfortable, you know, speaking about this, you know, and, I'm, and when I speak about that, what I'm talking about is that big subject called budget. How do you establish budget with a client? How do you set those expectations? How do you do that in a way that really benefits you and also them so that you can create a win-win relationship with your clients and set those expectations early? So the best way to start this conversation is to talk about, I know Dwayne and I can pull a lot of stories out of our past about what happens when you don't have budget on a project. So Dwayne, why don't you start and start talking a little bit about some of the projects you can remember where you kind of went into projects without budget. I mean, that's how I started too. And what that was like for you and how you got around that. Very, very, very painful. <laughs> you, you get that look on their face like, what in the world did you come back with? Uh, the thing is, they would love to design, but when you start putting it together, it's like, Dwayne, like we had a budget of like 10 grand and that looks like it's going to be 60, 70 grand. And when you have that, you're just way out on a whole nother field, no matter how beautiful this area is. And then also, too, is this is something that we have to explain to uh, to the students. And as we design, Joshua, there are times when you'll design something and you don't really have a clue what it's going to cost. And then it's all done. And you're like, oh, my God, like, even you are surprised that you're way outside of the budget range from there. I mean, we've resolved a lot of that issue, especially with the Yes Express sales training side that you know, me and you created, Josh, and we've gone through. We've resolved a lot of those budget issues. But as we get deeper into this conversation, I'll explain some of the philosophy that I've even learned recently with budget. So I'll let you go from there. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh boy, when I started in this industry 25 years ago and you know, I started designing bigger projects, I always had big ideas. I always wanted the space to be the absolute best it could possibly be. Right. So when when someone hired me and they said, all right, well, I want you to design this space. And that was great. In the beginning, I didn't charge for design. And eventually I got smarter and did started charging five hundred dollars or seven hundred fifty or a thousand was a high end. Like, wow, I could actually get a thousand bucks for a design. And I would spend insane amount of time making sure this thing was incredible because they hired me. Right. They hired me to do this design. I wanted to make sure I was giving them everything. So I would do that. But what I kept running into is I was not comfortable having that conversation with clients about how much do you want to spend in this space? Because they would never give us an accurate number anyway. Right. They would tell us some cockamamie number of like $10,000 and it's a $100,000 obvious project. Right. But they give you 10 and you're like, well, maybe I can come up with a design that'll make them excited and they'll just raise their budget 10x. Yeah. Good luck on that if that's their expectation or that's all they have to spend or that's all the value they see in that space. So I kept getting no after no after no for years. 
you know, for the bigger projects that I would, and I'm like, you know what, someone is going to say yes. And what I didn't realize back then, Dwayne, was if I had that conversation, set those expectations early with the client, my entire life would have been a hell of a lot easier. I would have been able to go into that project understanding what the limitations or what the, the, the edges of that project budget-wise were, get a sense whether they're flexible with their budget, if they're going to phase things, like these kinds of... I never asked those questions. I just went in thinking, when I design this space, it's going to be so freaking cool. They're going to have to no other option but to say yes. And I was dead wrong. It happened over and over through many different types of economic conditions. It wasn't just all up. You know what I mean? It was during some of the lower times and the better times economically. And it was... It was a hell of a struggle, man. I heard more no's than I heard yeses for the first 15 years of my life because I had big ideas. I would design things that, you know, I'd, I'd go into using what they asked for, you know, incorporating the features and functions they asked for, but it would be really, really cool, intricate stuff. But I was speaking to the wrong people that didn't have a budget. Yeah, did so, you do the, the poor man's philosophy, meaning that were you taking some jobs and then you would pull out a bunch of stuff that you wanted just to make it happen? Did you do a lot of that? Well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I would put in some extra pieces or put in some pieces that I thought would look really good in those spaces. But what I realized is it wasn't that my ideas weren't awesome and it wasn't that my pricing wasn't good or great. It was the fact that I was speaking to the wrong people. They were hiring this landscaper, quote unquote, to come out and design something for them. They were expecting, maybe in their mind, they were expecting that $10,000 landscaping package with a little patio and a little water feature and a couple of bushes. But what I brought them back was an outdoor living space. I didn't even know it at the time, that that was the direction that I was heading with this. But they were just the wrong audience. So what happened is over all those years of being told no, and I would be told yes to at times, but not for the bigger projects that I really wanted to do, my, the ones that really got me excited and got me up in the morning. So eventually, I had one project, I'll never forget it, where the the client and I sat down and I'm like, well, you know what, based on what you're asking for here, you know, you're, you're, I finally started talking about budget. I'm like, you're probably, they're asking like, what is this going to cost? I'm like, you're probably, I don't know, 150, 250,000, something like that for this project. And they said, okay, sounds good. And I'm just like, oh boy, <laughs> like, wow, like that's going to be plenty of money for what we got to do here. And then I started designing it, Dwayne. And the problem was by the time I got done designing with everything they asked for, it was over $600,000 for this design for all the stuff that was going on in there. And I'm like, oh crap. I'm like, here we go again, waiting for this big fat no again, but I'm going to go into it with this idea. And I even had a second idea too as an option for him. And I said, you know, guys, look, we're over budget, but I wanted to show this to you and wanted to, to at least show you what's in my head. And they said, yes. And I was like, holy crap, we did break that project up into two phases. But that was the first big yes. And I'm like, wow. And ever since then, it's all been uphill. It's all been fantastic. But it's because we had that deeper conversation about rough, even though the, the budget was off in the beginning, that they were willing to raise up because they saw the value in the different things that we were bringing to the table. And we weren't selling them things they didn't want or need. These are things that they are asking for. So along those lines, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that you just keep going forward. You know what's in your heart. You know what's in your soul when it comes to what you can produce, what you can design, what you were made to do. Just keep going forward. You're going to get hit a lot of walls, but eventually you'll break through, get over or go around, and you're going to be on the, the better side of it all. But if you give up, then you give up. But I never give up because I said just somebody's going to say yes, and that's all it's going to take. It only takes that one. And it happened, and it changed the entire game for me. 
which is really awesome. Because then once we built that, we could show others that we could build really cool projects like that. And then others are like, wow, if they can build that, they can build mine. I could, they can build this 100 or 200 or $400,000 project. Like it just didn't matter anymore because others saw the capacity of what we could do. But when you're selling $10,000 designs all the time or you know backyards and then you want to you get $100,000 when they take a look at all your Facebook stuff and all that, they're like, I don't know that this person's ever done one like this. So it is really important to kind of fake it till you make it in the beginning because ultimately you know you have it in it. You know you have the capacity to deliver incredible results. So why you, you just got to go for it. And you know what I didn't realize or didn't know or didn't have the skills back then was to, to have that budget conversation early on with our clients and set those expectations. And then we developed that after that because we had to in order to manage larger projects. You had to have a system in place and, you know, a process in place so that not just myself, but others could also emulate the same process and get the same results. So, you know, through sales and design and all that good stuff. So anyway, it's painful in the beginning, especially if you're not talking about budget. But what I'm going to do today, Dwayne and I are going to talk about a couple of little tricks for you guys to use when you're talking to clients with budget, how to open them up and how to get that uh, that information out so you can you can be more efficient with them and facilitate a much better solution for them that you can both feel good about. That's really the main thing here to make sure we have. Yeah. That. I just got a question about the the job, the big one. When you sold that job, were you profitable? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> we were so very profitable on that project. We did really well, which, you know, taking on a project of that scale was was it was scary. Cuz I'm like holy crap, I'm like I've I've never done something like this before. There's a lot of functions in there that I've never done before. We were using exotic hardwoods and things like that on the decks and on the terraces and all this stuff. So it was a very different kind of project for me. But yes, I was very blessed to have thought out all the different details and to allocate risk to different parties, all that kind of stuff. So that minimized my risk on that side. So anyway, point is that yes, we were profitable on that that project and it made it a lot of fun because it was... It was a heavy lift when it came to the amount of time that I invested. I, I, when you say profit, yes, but it, it probably just covered all the time that I put into that one because I was babysitting that project like crazy. I was there every day because it was my baby. Right? This thing had to survive. It had to work. It had to come out profitable. And I was there controlling it where now we, we barely touch foot on soil of, of our projects. We do it mostly remotely now with our teams. But at the same time, it, it was you know the first one out and we did make money on it, which made it a lot of fun. So. Okay. Yeah, my first big one I lost heavily. Just because it came that it, it's really interesting how this budget situation and conversation is, is that when you talk about budget and you figure it all out and then you draw it up and obviously it's over budget and then you start putting the pricing together and you're not really putting the right pricing together. You're, you still have this budget in mind. So you're shaving stuff, adding stuff, shaving stuff. And it's a bigger scope of a job. Like it's a lot bigger job. There's there's, I mean, we had dump trucks of gravel showing up instead of, not dump trucks, we had semi-trucks showing up of gravel instead of dump trucks. I mean, it was just a different ball game, And there was just a lot of little things that was not a part of it. And I wouldn't say it was a huge loss, but it was a loss. So you, but the good thing is it was a loss financially, but a gain, you mean, in knowledge and learning how to operate and what to look for and stuff like that. And that budget, I'm speaking this because it's a part of that topic, that budget has a lot to do with this. Like if you do draw a design and you do talk to a client and you don't have that budget conversation and then you have one of these where you actually sell it and it is over budget, you mentally sort of destroy yourself because you're trying to shave these numbers to match their budget and it just, it doesn't work. It hurts the business too. 
And I thought I was the only one that did that, Twain. <laughs> I was so guilty of that when I was the designer and the person presenting. I was the chief cork and bottle washer, so I did all of it. And with that being the case, as soon as it came time to present this project, I was like, all right, well, I told them it was going to be between X and Y for this project. Now we came in like 30, 40% over, whatever. It's just the nature of the beast. And now I'm trying to do exactly what you're doing. Let's, let's try to make this look good so that we, at least we can get a yes and move forward. And maybe we can make it up on the build side. Well, like the guys will move faster. The brick will be cheaper. That this will be happening. Like it never happens. You end up losing your shirt on it. So, so many times I'm trying to keep to my word with my clients, knowing that I don't want, because most of us as humans, we try to stay away from comp uh, confrontation in any way possible. And this is something we can see as being confrontational. So we don't do it. We'd rather lie to ourselves than be truthful. So we like, all right, so we're going to look at this project and say, look, it should be five to $7,000 for this one feature. Let's put in three to four. Maybe they can do it a little bit cheaper. And pretty soon you do that by 10 different things and you're way the hell off. And then you're stuck going in there with that client sitting down saying like, Mrs. Jones, you know, we talked about a budget of about $100,000. We're at about 175 right now for only the things you've asked for. And then you get the swift kick out the door. Or if you're really lucky, they understand, which is not normally the case because expectations were broken. When expectations are broken, trust is broken. And then you can't repair that. That's just what it is. So it's uh, it's quite a beast. So what I've learned over these, these years is be as honest as you can up front because I'd rather have pain in the front and understanding than have the pain later and lose the whole project. So just be completely upfront with them, head a little higher on your rough numbers, things like that, so that when you come in at budget or below, that everyone's thrilled. But that conversation needs to happen up front. It cannot be something you can do later because uh, once those expectations are met, then that's even, or, or not met, then you're screwed. Because, you know, with budget, and I've mentioned it many times, it's all about the expectation. So what's important is to understand where that client is with budget early, early, early in your process. And the only way to do that is by having that conversation. But you can't have a conversation about budget by opening up like this, being like somebody calls you, hey, how you guys doing? I see you guys do paver patios. Yep, we do paver patios. And then the client's like, all right, cool. So we're looking to do a 700 square foot patio. What's that going to cost me? And you're like, oh, it's going to cost you 15 grand, whatever the number is, right? At that point, you're only a price buyer seller. It's not going to work, right? Because what's going to happen is if you're not the cheapest price, they're not even consider you, you're gone, right? So what you got to do is you have to create a process or you have to have a process in order to have that conversation about budget much deeper into your conversation relationship with your client so that you can build the trust, you can build the rapport, you can earn the right to ask a question like budget. Because nobody's going to come up as a stranger and tell you their budget. But once you open them up and have a conversation about things, get a sense of what their most important part of the project is, why they're doing this project from an emotional standpoint, what they've done so far, you know, different objections that might come in within this project, like what could threaten the project for them. If they haven't had that conversation with you and they don't feel a trust and a connection with you, they're not going to be honest with their budget. So why even ask at that point? There's no point in asking somebody what their budget is. I've heard many guys in this industry and gals too are like, Hey guys, you know, I saw you want to do a project in your backyard. Sounds good. What's your budget? Like right off the bat. When you ask budget that early in the process, you aren't going to get the result that you're looking for. You're going to get a low number if you're lucky or some trumped up number because they want to come out and listen to all your free ideas. You haven't earned the right to ask it yet. So through a uh, proper sales process, you will be able to uncover and unlock that client and get into that, that real budget so that they can really be very honest. They're going to feel very comfortable and they're going to be very forthright with you with that. So it's a matter of instituting something like that in your business so you can do that, but all from the comfort of your office. 
not figuring out that their budget's way too low after you spend a half hour driving there an hour having a conversation with them. Then to find out their budget's 10,000 and what they really need is a $100,000 budget to get with all they want and they still feel like they can. Yeah. Have you ever run into yeah. that, Dwayne? You know, one of the, and, and this is what I was going to add in the beginning and I want to stop it and this is probably the perfect time to bring it back as one of the biggest issues that we're seeing and you guys are probably seeing, and it's probably happening across the United States, is that we're going, we're in a transition from a paver patio or a deck to full-scale outdoor living spaces. So when people call you up, like a lot of my clients, I think we talked about this last episode, pretty much every client that we're doing business with right now, this is their first outdoor living space. You I mean, so they're used to their last house, they probably had a patio or a deck and they saw ten, twelve thousand dollars. You know how it is. You buy a car five years ago and you bought it for fifteen grand, you think it in your head, man, I'm just gonna pay eighteen for the next new car. So what's happening is these outdoor living spaces, they're starting at forty five, fifty K, you mean sixty, seventy and up. And so when you're having this conversation and they're thinking of budgets, they're not being bad. They're not like being cheap or anything. They just remembered that they paid 15 grand for their last patio. So they're like, well, in between 15, 20 grand, it's sort of automatically hitting with that. Finding that out from our questionnaire and our survey is crucial. Getting to the house and finding that out it's almost really hard to backpedal your way out and educate because that's what we're having to do. It's not that we're cutting them and saying, okay, hey, you guys don't have the money or whatever. We're learning how to educate and show them, okay, you're going to have a patio, you're going to have some steps, you're going to have some lighting, you're going to have some speakers, you're going to have some plants, you're going to have a fire feature. I mean, you're going to have all these different materials and different things, going to have a pergola, all this stuff. It's going to cost more than just that one little patio that you had. And so... That's happening now, Joshua, but having the ability to make them fill out the survey, they get to see all the different options on the survey that, you mean, they're counting up the money in their head when they're checking those boxes off. And then you have the authentic conversation. And the great part about it, and I guess, like you said, I don't want to, I mean, you'd have to go through the class to understand, but, you know, at the bottom where we have the budget ranges, like we have that set range that starts at a certain number that if you're below that, you pretty much can't do business anyway. Like, I'm, I'm almost about to change it to a higher number, almost $10,000 higher, because if you're at that beginning phase number, it's almost impossible to do anything. You know, but when they fill that out and check that, they get a better sense now of who they're dealing with and what things are going to cost. And we can have that conversation over the phone very authentically before we show up at the house and sort of you know, blow our time and things like that. No, you're spot on. And, and setting those expectations very early in your sales process that gets your client primed for what's coming next. So like you said, uh, and the same thing we hear, you know, have is, is the um, questionnaire. And one of the questions in there is about budget, right? So it, it gives them a couple different options to choose from. Most people aren't hiring designers that are going to do outdoor spaces for anything less than $20,000, $25,000 when it comes to a space, you know, for a designer. And so if that's the case, it's your starting point, whatever that number might be. I've seen some that have it as 100000 as a starting point. Anything under that, they don't really even consider it. So it really depends on where you are and where you want to be with your business. But if you just say you put it in, say, thirty to 75000 is your first level, the next one's seventy five to one fifty. The next one, it's going to be one fifty, two fifty, And then it's like two fifty to 500 or 500 plus now. Just options at this point, right? So when you do that and your client is looking through the questionnaire, which is step number two, right? First step is a call in the office. If there's viability, they go to the second step, which is the 
questionnaire. It's a little homework for them, five to 10 minutes for them to divulge a bunch of great information that you can both use to make sure that you're going to be a good fit for each other. And they do this very easily. Your ideal client will have no problem doing that. But then when they select that budget range, that's one of the things I look at before the discovery call, before I actually spend 20 minutes with them and go through the questionnaire and and, uh, ask them all kinds of uh, good questions now. But when I get that number, oftentimes I find that people are trying to be as honest as they can be, but at the same time don't know what things cost. A lot of my clients just don't know what things cost. We know it because we're in this every single day. We eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. But others, like you mentioned before, they do outdoor living maybe once or twice in their life. And especially now with prices changing so fast, how can they possibly keep up with this stuff? So, you know, that range gives me a sense of where their mind's at. So when I look at that and I say, okay, that's that's their range. When I get to the budget side, which is about three quarters of the way into our sales process, because we then would earn the right, we built the trust, all that good stuff. And we, we hit that uh, question, you know, we kind of go into it comically. We say, uh, you know, now on to everyone's favorite topic. Can you guess what that is? And everyone says, money, budget, something like that. And they're always giggling and it it breaks the ice a little bit because it is a serious subject for most. And then we get into the actual numbers and I'll say, you know, look, I see that you have a 30 to $75,000 budget in your, in the questionnaire. What do you hope that will cover? And then I shut up. I just listen because sometimes people are mentioning 15 different things that they want, but they really know that only a few of them are going to be covered by that smaller budget. And other times people say everything. And I say, okay. Can you explain what everything means to you and let them go? And they're going to just explain what that means. So you can get a much better sense on the phone before you ever invest any time going out to see these people if they have expectations that are achievable. So if their expectations are in line with what it'll cost to do the project, then you can make that move. If not, if you find that they're in a position where they have a $10,000 budget, but everything they're talking about is going to cost $50,000 as an example, you can then say, hey, guys, look, are you guys open to, you know, understanding what these things typically cost? Everybody says yes. And then you can get in there and say, well, look, the patio is going to be roughly X. The deck is going to be roughly Y. The roof is going to be you know, roughly this, the pond, the pool, whatever it might be. You can start giving them some numbers. And I suggest shooting slightly high on those and get, feel them out, feel them out, see what they have to say. And there's other questions in there as well as part of our process to make sure that they know that when working with a designer, most likely that design is going to come in over budget. Are they okay with that? Shooting at them straight right in the beginning, right? And then you explain why that's in their best interest that we do that to make sure they never have to live with regret of not knowing something could have been done to make it more comfortable for them, but we didn't talk about it because it wasn't in your budget. And then they sit there looking at their neighbor having something that gets them out there all the time and enjoying their space and they don't have it and they're pissed off because you never talked to them about it, but you never told them because it wasn't in the budget. So we want to make sure we want to see if they're open to, you know, phasing the project. So that's one scenario when they give you numbers and you have to make sure it's right. And if not, you need to correct them. And at that point, if they don't want to correct up where they need to be, you got to give them a graceful exit. We teach you how to let them go gracefully where you'll still get referrals from them, even though you said no to them. That's really the cool part. But if they are good and they're willing to raise budgets or just make sure everything is good, then you can keep moving along in the, uh, the process and wrap them up and get out and take a look. But setting that expectation in the beginning is super important so that you don't waste a lot of time when you get there trying to convince them that your services are worth a lot more than they think they are, even though you know they are, but they don't think so. And if they're not willing to pay for them, then they're not going to pay for them. Let's put it that way. And whether you're on site or on a phone, if they're not willing to see the backyard equaling a certain investment level, there's no, there's no gap between that. You got to get that on the phone in the beginning and set that expectation. Yeah. I mean, you can tell just by simple conversations and I can also tell on the questionnaire, one of the things that we have is the hobby. Mm -hmm. what's your hobby? If 
they don't write in a hobby or their hobby is work. I can almost tell you that, like, I don't know the percentage, but it doesn't work. It's not a client. Like, I mean, there's just certain things. When I look at the questionnaire now and I can see certain things are checked off, I can almost tell you it's a clear sign. It's not a client. It's just a clear sign, especially the hobby one. Like, I'm learning that your personal life is more is just as important as any career or any job and anything that you have. So if you don't have that personal life and that, those joyful things that you do as a hobby, you're not doing as well as you thought. Like, you know what I mean? Because you're just slaving it out every day. You're slugging out your work. You're not really living. And I noticed that outdoor living space clients, the, the clients who really bang well and do well with us are the ones who actually have a hobby. No, I absolutely agree. And when I look through my questionnaire before I have that discovery phone call with them, my qualifying call with them, I look through and there's a couple of things I'm looking for. One is how did they find us? What did they, what intrigued them about us? And then at the same time, I also am very curious about their hobbies because you're right. And do they actually write down detail or are they yes or no kind of answers throughout? If they're writing down detail, because one is, you know, please, you know, let us know if you have kids, if so, names and ages of the, the kids, right? So we get a sense of who's going to be using this space. And if that's the case, most people do write it down. They write it down and they say, look, you know, here's what it is. And those tend to be the clients that really engage our services. They engage us because they're willing to trust us in the beginning to move forward with it. But the other ones that say, you know, do you have kids? And they say, yes. What are your hobbies? Some. Like you go through those kind of clients, I find that they tend to be duds because they're not willing to give you information in the front because they don't trust you or they just don't feel it's, it's valuable to this because all they really want is a quick fix or a Band-Aid, right? So when you start looking at these things and they're well played out and they're well laid out and they're well thought out, uh, we tend to have a much better retention rate on those clients because they're truly in it to win it. They see the value in giving you information to help them solve a big problem. And they know the more information they give you, the better job you can do. So that's been a, something that I've found as well. It's not always the budget. It's more about how did they respond to the questionnaire? That's, that's a huge piece. Yeah. Once you get over the budget side, per se, I've seen clients open up. Like, it's not really, it's weird. It's hard to explain. It's not really about money anymore once you find that client who understands what you're doing. Like, I mean, uh, I think one of, one of the most noticeable jobs that we did last year, it was, it was in Naperville, and I think the client had like an $18,000 budget. And if it was just, you know, me and your local paper patio guy who went out there and gave him some estimates, I think they got three estimates. They're like fifteen, eighteen thousand. 18000 And when we went through the questionnaire, we talked, the questionnaire was just implemented. They were like one of the first people's to go through the questionnaire process. It was just implemented. So we went through, asked the questions, went through the process, and it was a $65,000 job, I mean, after it was over. And we addressed everything. I mean, it just, we didn't just throw, plop a patio back in. I mean, they got an outdoor kitchen, they got a grill. I mean, they got a pergola, lighting, I mean, three-level patio, plantings. I think we're actually going back now. We're going to redo their driveway. And we're about to re add a new fence, do some landscaping, add some more lights. And, like, we're going to be pretty much at 100 grand this year. And they started off at $18,000 budget. And what scares me about that, and here's what really scares me, if... They found a company that had really, maybe really good customer service and salesmanship. They would have gotten that $18,000 patio. You know what I mean? And that's sort of what scares me about what's going on in our industry is that they, they, everybody showed up and said, okay, well, $18,000, $15,000. They all showed them something in that range. And nobody stopped to ask, like, what do you really want? You I mean, 
how does this space make you feel? You mean, show me some photos. You mean, and I'm seeing Pinterest. But matter of fact, the wife is still adding stuff to the house page. Even after the project's done, she's still adding stuff. I get notifications all the time where she's adding new stuff. And it's like, why can't these guys slow down, slow down and really listen to what's going on and stop being such a um, material hog and want to use one thing or, or one way, like really start opening up and open up the mindsets because Joshua, there's more business out here than you and myself can even handle. Like we almost have to educate an entire industry of this is becoming more of a designer's market of space and style budgets and things like that. More of just a landscape paver patio market. And it's like, how can we get everybody else to wake up and understand? No, I totally agree. And that's, that's a big premise and a primer for why we decided to start this podcast and Yes, expressed and all that stuff as well, so that we could bring this information, these, these valuable tools to the public, so that they can our industry, so they can take them and and be able to go with them and learn what we've learned over the last twenty five plus years apiece. You know what I mean? And leapfrog us, go like we just want to see the industry explode. There's so much, there's so much talent out there. You see it all over the place. It's just that oftentimes people don't have the right tools to be able to fully realize it. You know, to be able to fully uh, engage that and unlock all of that, unleash all of that energy that's inside and all that creativity because they're locked in a mindset of just a patio or a seating wall or a fire pit they're not thinking about what the bigger picture can be there's so many clients over the years Dwayne I know you've had this as well you just mentioned one where client comes in with a lower budget but once you start talking about what they truly want and you start talking other numbers and know how to walk them through a process take them on a journey for them to self-discover what it takes to get what they want pretty soon those budgets just explode I mean I just had a call the other day where a guy came in with a $20,000 budget on the phone by the time I was done it was a $120,000 budget and that was just on the phone before I even went out. I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. He thought one thing, I told him it was going to be something else. And he's like, all right, cool, that's good to go. So it's you don't always just get stuck on the number that they're going to give you because oftentimes they just don't know. They're looking for you to be the teacher first, to be the guide, guide them to the right direction. They're only doing this once or twice in their life. So guide them in the right direction so that they can make good decisions that they don't have to live with regret. That's the biggest ticket here of all. And, and there's also the budget side, you know, like I've mentioned before when I was talking about them actually selecting a budget range on a questionnaire so we have some inkling of what they're thinking. Well, on our questionnaire, we also give them a way out because I want them to be forthright with me and not just pick something because of the fact that they have to pick something which is not even close to what they want. So what we have is another section that says, I'm not really sure of my budget. I would really like a designer to speak with me and let me know what things should cost. So they click that, which means I get no numbers in on that area. So when I do my discovery call, I don't always have numbers to work with, but I must absolutely will not move forward with the discovery meeting actually going to their site until I understand what their budget is. So the question is, how do we crack that nut? Somebody that wasn't willing to give you a number in the beginning. And my policy is I don't go out unless I have a number from them. So how do we do that? Like, how do we get to that part? And that's really a lot of the genesis of, of our sales mastery program kind of rolls around that. Like, how do we get people to open up and tell us the things that are going to benefit them but we get to have them open up. They've never done this before. How do we make it comfortable for them? How do we make it and lead them in the right direction so that they can feel us as the guide moving through this entire process? Through a process to a question, a budget question that they might not be comfortable in the beginning with, but by that time they will, right? And how do we then manage the people that are uh, non-engagers? The ones that won't give you a budget, how do you do that? And we have a step-by-step -step process to do that and you get budget every single time from them and they're the ones that'll speak it to you.
That's the crazy part. It is there. They are willing to give it to you if you understand how to open up. It's one of the easiest things we teach in our program is how to do that. Uh, I'm not here to plug the program. I'm just trying to say that it's possible. I know I struggled with it for years. I'm glad we finally have tools to be able to manage that. And that's often where we we break with clients, whether we're going to, that's that's the break point, whether we're actually going to keep them as clients and move through and actually go out and collect our design fees and start the process, or whether we're going to say, guys, look, we aren't a good fit. I think you're better off working directly with a, a mason or a carpenter or someone else besides us because the numbers just don't line up, like to give them what we call the graceful exit. So it's an extremely important part of this to know how to do that. And whenever you're talking about budget with a client, you know, once you once they give you a number and you talk back and forth and or they're giving you a number, it's when it's their turn to talk, you shut your mouth and you listen. Because the first person who talks is the first person who's gonna buy that project and you don't want it to be you. So the question really is when they when or the the statement is that when they you say, All right, well, I see you have a twenty to fifty thousand dollar budget for this project, what do you hope that will cover? Shut your mouth. Or if you don't have a budget at all for the project because they didn't give you one, what are your expectations for a budget on a project like this? Shut up and listen. Don't say another word until they speak. You can guide them once they speak and start giving you numbers, but do not be the first one to speak after. You'll want to. That'll be the number one thing you're going to want to do is to fill the gap to make them feel comfortable. Don't do it. Keep your mouth shut. Let them talk. The blank air, <laughs> the silence will be deafening and they will speak. And then they will tell you what's on their mind, and then you're going to be able to guide them. So it's a very, very important part of that. It's a very, very important part. And to add to that, once you get that, okay, okay on our checkbox system, we don't, you have to tell us the budget range. Like I have it turned off to the point where, um, or is it turned on? Uh, I guess we're saying it's required. So when you get to that section, it's required to select one of those options. You can't just send the questionnaire back without picking that option and after we talk and like say you're in the you're in between or if it's too high or whatever we can talk about when we get that to the budget conversation but uh, what I wanted to add to what you were saying Josh everything you're saying you're, you're hitting it also plugging your sales program I think it's that's a must in this in this podcast because it's a game changer for a lot of businesses like the sales program and the design program. These are game changers. So, you I mean, plug it, plug away. I mean, if, if this was video, you'd run across the bottom of the screen. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> plug away. Like there's no issue in that. Like, let's do it. But I think what happens is it's not per se the budget is the issue. It's understanding what things cost and why. And every, I mean, every single job that I design is over budget. I don't care what budget you give me. And after we talk about what you want and put it all out, it's always over budget. And then we have, I guess we'll probably do that on another podcast. So we'll talk about how um, you set up the budget study and things like yeah. that and the price ranges. And then you line them all up on the spreadsheet and it has all different categories. And they get to see everything spelled out. That really is the kicker. Like I said, every single job that we install is always over budget, always. And somebody asked me what makes our client our client. And what I believe what makes our client our client is they believe they could. That's really what it is. Like they stood up to the plate, they saw something that they wanted, 
And our sweet spot is like in between 45 and 100. It's a really good sweet spot for us. I love working at that. I'm a very good small, I become a really good small space designer. I enjoy it. I love it. I, I lock into it. Now we do the hundreds, the 200s, the 300s. I mean, we do those with the swimming pools and things like that. But I really love that little space of in between 45, 75, I mean, somewhere in that space, I can get some really dope projects and I can use a lot of different materials, just some really sweet jobs I can get in that range. So I love that. But that those same clients, not one of them, not one of them thought they were going to spend the amount of money that they spent to pull it off. Not one. There was not one of them who called me up and said, hey, Dwayne, we're going to think we're going to drop $75,000 in our backyard and we're going to do that right now. Not one of them. They saw what they saw. They saw who we were. We had this budget conversation very early, and we had a, I mean, I speak very authentically, just how we talk now. I speak very authentically with them. So they're able to just let me have it. They give me, Dwayne, this is what we thought, this is what we want. We really didn't want to go here, but we liked everything we saw. And I'm like, great, you know what I mean? We could go this route or we could go that, but when you look at the design specs of everything, or you can split it up, you mean, but they're like, okay, let's just go through. And for some way, shape, or form, we don't, I mean, we don't do a million jobs, so I'm not sitting here trying to say every single client you talk to is going to be over there. It's just the projects that we do, and they go with it. So you have to have this, but the budget conversation, this whole podcast about budget is so crucial. It's just as important as figuring out what's going to be in the design. Do you understand? It's not do you have the money. Do you understand the money? And once they understand the money, finding the money it's not hard for them. They're already successful people. So they can find the money of what they need to find. It's just do they understand. And once they do that, it's there. Yep. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, when it comes to the, the budget side of things and investing in the backyard, we love to use the word investing. It's an investment in the backyard. It's an investment in your property. If you say the project costs something, then it seems like it's a loss, right? You're going to spend this money and not ever recoup it. But if you use the word you know, investment throughout your investment presentation. This is how much to invest in the space. That kind of conversation feels like a much better choice and it's a much more long-term, you know, uh, benefit to the client. So that's why we like to use, utilize those words because it really truly is an investment in the property, right? So what I've found over the years, Dwayne, is that every time you present numbers for the first time to your client after you've got budget and all of a sudden the design is done and you present those numbers to the client in your budget study, it is always going to shock them. I don't care if they have $20 million sitting in the bank. I don't care if they've got 10 bucks in the bank. It doesn't matter. It will always shock them. That's just what it is. Accept that. Expect that. Don't take it personally. That's just what it is. I've learned that over the years. So whenever you come in with your project and our clients know that our designs are always going to come in over budget, but they always have the opportunity to turn them up or turn them down based on the budget study. They're going to get pricing very early in this process so they can see all of that and have control forward or backwards with that. But with that being the case, they always, 99% of the time, are shocked by the numbers up front. That's just what it is. It's just what it is. There's no way around that. So expect it. It's not the end of the deal. It's the beginning of a journey. Then you guys have a conversation about what's most important and what's going to give them the most comfort in the backyard and, and what's going to engage them the most the longest uh, part of the year. So that's really the bigger piece. So I just want to tell you guys that, that you're not the only one that get that shock and awe look. Uh, I don't care who you are and how long you've been doing this in this industry. You're always going to get the deer in the headlight look when you present pricing for the first time. Accept it, expect it, and move forward with it. I often tell clients, look, you know, back when I was going out to clients uh, to do presentations, I was like, look, I do carry smelling salts in my briefcase. So if we need them, I have them. Just want to let you know ahead before we get into the pricing. And they always get a chuckle out of that and, uh, you know, kind of sets the stage for things. But it's 
ever since we instituted that, set those expectations, it has gone much, much smoother. Just so much smoother. Yeah, I used to say, are you ready to kick me out the house? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically the same thing, right? I used to say, are you ready to kick me out the house? And they're looking around like, oh, yeah, because it's always over. Budget. Like I, I'm so to the point now where I even tell them. And like when we're going through our sales process and things like that, I'm like, guys, it's always, everything is over. It, like the last car you bought was over budget. The house you bought was over budget. The furniture was over budget. It's always over budget. So let's just figure out what you want, what you're going to enjoy, how you're going to feel. And then my job, that's what makes us professionals, is our job is to figure out how to maneuver and make this thing happen within a realm that makes you comfortable. And that's a hook and sinker is done. Because honestly, Joshua, it's really not about what you spend. I don't care if you spend $10,000 or $200,000. It doesn't matter. It's what I'm looking for is a beautiful space that ties into the style and the architecture of what's going on. Absolutely. So the money is really not the thing. And what helped me battle about money, it was actually, you know I mean, even working with you guys, Tony Robbins, to get my head out of that whole money scarcity thing. But it was actually the Tony Robbins thing after I did that. I had a court case I had to deal with. And it was um, after I got the case done, it was a money battle. And it was just, it was a fierce money battle. It was like over my dead body money battle. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like their, his attorney was, wasn't happy. Our side wasn't happy because we were just out of control. I was out of control upset. The other guy was out of control upset. The attorneys are trying to fix it and they're trying to get us to agree. And we're, I mean, we're just at each other's head. And I remember, you know how you get animated so everybody can see. So we're animated, everybody can see. And I remember walking out. This is a powerful moment. The judge looks over at me, said, Mr. Drawn, Mr. Drawn. And I look back and he said, it's only money. And whew, that changed my life. Forever. Wow. He said, it's only money. And now I'm dangerous now because it's only money. Yeah, That's how exactly. I look at it now. It's only money. That is very powerful. When you yeah. have that switch and you can finally figure out that it doesn't control you, that you have control over the meaning of what it is. Yeah. It's huge. And you yeah. get whatever you need. Like whatever amount of money that you need. I, I've been testing it for the past two years. And whatever money I need, it just comes up. You know I mean, my problem is I'm just not setting bigger goals. That's all. Yeah. It's sometimes we only think we're capable of doing certain things. And next thing you know, it's you know, you're like, wait a minute, I could two, three, four, five or 10 X what I'm thinking and still be able to get it. Like, who do you have to become as a human being in order to be able to achieve that? That's really what we're after. It's not the goal. It's who do we become in order to, or who do we have to become to, in order to achieve that goal? That's really the, the big focus on this. We don't realize that we think it's that, you know, that marathon or that a hundred thousand dollar payday or whatever it might be. It's not that. It's who do we have to become to get that? And I'll add to it. What I'm learning by saying no and putting these scared mindsets to the money, you're actually holding yourself back from what you can become. Absolutely. Like there's a guy today who came through the sales program or the design program, and he wanted to be a part of the program. And he sent me a message and said, hey, Dwayne, how much does this cost? I don't think I have enough money. I don't want to waste your time and blah, blah, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. And I looked at it, looked at it, looked at it. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, it's going to cost more than you think. I said, you probably don't have the money right now to pay for it because it is more than you think. I said, but you figure it out. I said, because when you do, your life changes. That's really where it happens. But if you let this be your barrier, you're going to be stuck where you are and you're not going to move to the next level. You probably will later, but it's going to take some time. Let's try to avoid that gap and get you to the next level faster. So become creative and figure it out. And he said, man, I like that. Thank you. And like, 
it's it's real real man like every time i have that cloud about money like i remember when you first used to call me up and ask me about stuff and i'm like first thing i think of like nope because it's money i wouldn't tell you but i'm like i just go right to money and no but i'm losing the opportunities every single time and finally one time i said yes and everything came and lined up and had a great event and learned so much from it and excelled my life and my business and my career you mean three times faster because i got out of my my caca and just said, let's go. And, and that's all we have to do. Even with this budget conversation with client, if we can, I basically teach them how to get out of their caca and go for what they want. And it's a beautiful thing when people actually go for what they want. Like, because they're going to keep, they're going to hold back everything in life. They're going to hold back the patio. They're going to get the car without the sunroof, even though they wanted it. They're going to get the washer and dryer without that extra little button. They're going to get the fridge without the TV, even though they always wanted the TV on the fridge. You know what I mean? They're going to go through this life and, and throttle back everything. But if that's what you want, go get it. Make it happen. Yep. Absolutely yeah. agree, dude. It's, and we, it's our job as the guides to show them the way, right? The option to move forward with it. And if a client comes back to you and says on a project, you know, Hey, you know, that's too expensive. Like you may have that. People say, that's too expensive. That's too expensive. Your best retort to that, and I know we've talked about this before, but your best retort to that is compared to what? And then shut up. Let them justify you being too expensive because you know the craziest things are going to come out of their mouth. They're going to be like, well, yeah, like 10 years ago, I saw this. Uh, my, my buddy got a patio. He said he spent $10,000 on it. So I'm thinking it should be 10 or 12 now. It's been 10 years. And you're like, wait, wait a minute, that, that's what you're considering expensive because you're comparing me to 10 years ago? So, and don't take it personally because oftentimes I know I used to do the same thing. I was like, well, maybe my prices are too high. Maybe I'm asking too much for what they're, you're asking for. So it's important to ask that question, compared to what? And then shut up and listen and let them answer and solve your problem. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of information from that where then you can come back and, and help guide them to making better decisions because obviously they're they're holding on to something in the past or they're holding on to something that's not realistic. But that's, that's a great way to kind of break them through that barrier to use that little trick. Really works well. So, yeah. So, Dwayne, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation with you and I hope our listeners has got a lot from it as well and able to implement a lot of this into their business. You know, we're here to answer any questions you guys might have. We're you know, our, our goal is to serve the industry and to help you guys, you know, guys starting out, the guys in the in the fields every day, the guys trying to take the next step, the guys trying to work on their business more than in their business so they can, you know, stop being a very expensive employee and start being a business owner. Those are the kind of people we're here to help through this podcast, through our classes, through just reaching out to us. We'd love to share what we've, you know, learned in the last uh, 25 years of peace here to help you launch and to compress decades into days so you don't have to spend your entire life trying to figure it out you can speed that entire process up and start enjoying success much much faster so we appreciate you guys thanks for listening do anything else you want to add here at the end you know i think we said it all today you know i'm just sort of in deep thought even after that because it i mean you sort of take it to like a spiritual level and and it's it, it that's what it is so um i let you finish off sweet yeah business is a spiritual game man so Again, anybody needs anything, reach out to us, but uh, we're excited to bring you some more awesome content here on the Outer Spaces podcast.